Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. After the children of Israel escaped the tyranny of Egypt and built a tabernacle in the wilderness, according to the plan God showed Moses, the Lord set about forming an army to protect his testimony and fight against his enemies. Members of each of the various tribes were called to serve in this army, save one, the tribe of Levi. To them it was given not to fight directly, but to serve God and the tabernacle in a holy service and ministry. Today God's people are still called upon to war against his enemy and to fight to protect his testimony on the earth. And just as in ancient times, God needs his people to minister and serve him in his dwelling place on earth. Another wonderful picture today of the New Testament really awaits us from the Old Testament book of Numbers. And Ron Kangas has joined us for today's fellowship. Welcome back, Ron. Uh, Thank you. Good to be back. We've been seeing that the people of Israel were numbered, and that's even the name of this book, Numbers. They were numbered for the purpose of forming them into an army, and certain ones among all 12 tribes, except the Levites, were incorporated into this army. The focus of the army was to protect and defend the tabernacle and the ark, which together represent God's testimony. Ron, would you review for us a little bit before we go on to see what the role of the Levites were playing during this period of God's move on earth? Okay, in the Old Testament, you have the priesthood narrowly understood as Aaron and his household, his sons and his descendants. But then the priesthood more broadly understood included the tribe of Levi, the Levites, And so there was a distinction in that historical period between the function of the priests who could enter into the tabernacle, even the high priest once a year could enter into the Holy of Holies, and the Levites were serving outside the tabernacle, taking care of various practical things related to the worship of God as prescribed by God himself through Moses, and they served whenever the tabernacle and the furniture therein was responding to the Lord's direction to move. So the Levites were that aspect of the priesthood that served the Aaronic priests by their practical service in handling the necessary things related to the day-by-day function required by God. Now, the spiritual significance is somewhat different, that according to the New Testament revelation, all believers are priests, and all believers should serve in a practical way. 
And there is a wonderful portion in the life study which expounds this by saying that we need to do practical things, physical things in our Christian life, in our church life. But we do them with the realization that we're under the oversight of the priesthood, not as another category of people, but as a spiritual realization that our practical service is according to God, is for God's interests. We do this in oneness with God, in the presence of God, according to the direction of God. So this gives us some sense of the function of the Levites as depicted in Numbers. Ron, you mentioned the application to the New Testament believers, and in the New Testament there isn't this distinction between Levitical priests and the priesthood in general, but there's a universal priesthood. Can you apply that uh, in the function of the New Testament believers? Okay, we need to look at this succinctly from two points of view. One is the revelation in the New Testament. The other is what is the actual situation in Christianity as a religion. According to the New Testament revelation, we, all the believers in Christ, are a holy priesthood, and we are a royal priesthood. That priesthood is a corporate entity composed of all the priests. In the sight of God, every believer in Christ, every member of the body of Christ, is a priest and is responsible to God to function as a priest. However, the actual situation, with few exceptions, in the vast organization of Christianity as a religion, is there is not a functioning universal priesthood. There is a clergy-laity system, which really nullifies that priestly function. So actually, if we are to seriously enter into the divine revelation with the view of actually practicing it, we need to prepare ourselves for a radical and thorough and absolute return to God's original intention and God's ordained way. We're in Numbers chapter 3. I want to just read a couple of verses and draw attention to two words that Witness Lee will key on in this first portion. In verse 3 it says, These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the anointed priest, who were consecrated to serve as priests. And the word here, serve, is what we want to take note of. In verse 6 it says, Bring the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron the priest, that they may minister to him. And now we've heard the word minister added. So serve and minister. We're going to see these words as they are developed. Here's Witness Lee. The holy service is all together with the tribe of Levites. And this service is called the holy service because it takes care of the tabernacle of God. Within the tabernacle, there are its furnishings, which the priests and the Levites minister. Minister means to serve. This kind of service is always to supply people by ministering to them. Just like a waiter 
at the dining table when the waiter ministers, the waiter supplies you with food. So this ministry of the priests and Levites is always supplying the people with the riches of Christ. This indicates whom the New Testament believers we minister Christ and the cross. Day after day, our service is just to serve people with Christ's cross for redemption and with Christ's riches for supply. In Hebrew, the word service is warfare. So even though the Levitical service was not a military service, yet the word used by Moses was the same word, warfare. So today, we as the priests of the gospel of God should consider ourselves as warriors. While we are preaching, we are fighting. While we are teaching, we are fighting. While we are building up others, we are fighting. While we are building up the body of Christ, we are fighting. Our today's priestly service is just a kind of a fighting. Just remember today, even in the New Testament, priesthood, fighting is here. All the priests of the New Testament are warriors. Ron, all of the other tribes were commissioned by the Lord to form an army to fight for his interests and to protect his testimony, which were typified by the ark in the tabernacle. But the tribe of Levi had a different commission. Their job had particularly these two key words associated with it, to minister and to serve. What do these words really typify in our service, Ron, in our, in our Christian life? Uh, let's take them in the order of service and then minister. Service is the practical activity of uh, meeting a need, of taking care of a certain situation. For example, in Acts, you needed seven men filled with the Spirit to distribute food, especially to the widows, to ensure that no one would be neglected. So the service is the action of meeting a need and taking care of a certain matter. Ministry is to supply. It is the the essence of the service. It is the content of the service. So when one is serving in a practical way, one is not simply doing that activity there should be a supply rendered to those who are benefiting from that activity. Whether that's preaching the gospel, you are, the service is to contact people, to present the truth of the gospel to them. The ministry is that you're actually supplying them with Christ's redemption and Christ himself as the Savior. So we need to see that ministry and service are inseparable. That ministry is the content, it is the supply that we are passing on to someone. The service is the action of practical care of meeting a certain need, which gives us the opportunity to minister, that is to supply Christ 
according to the need of that person and according to the Spirit's leading concerning that one. That's helpful, Ron. And I was also uh, impressed with Witness Lee's pointing out that the word service also includes warfare so that as a believer, even this ministering in service includes a battle, doesn't it? It does, according to the text of Numbers, according to the verb used. The word for service is warfare. It does include this according to the spiritual significance and reality in the New Testament. But I feel to point out, this is almost never found anywhere, okay? Because the universal priesthood, with the spiritual side and the practical side, has virtually been nullified by the hierarchical clergy-laity system. So the Lord wants to actually, to some degree, recover what he intended in the beginning. And this is the real burden in this ministry. It's called a life study. This is a study based upon a careful examination of the Word, but it's to minister life so that what is presented as the truth can actually be lived out and worked out. So, yes, we should be serving. We should be ministering. We need to realize that the enemy resists that. There's a war going on. We're not in the army the same way as the tribes were in the army. We may say they were like full-time in the military. But in the spiritual realm, we realize there is a combat going on as we are endeavoring to carry out our ministry through our service. Thanks for that follow-up, Ron. Let's go on to chapter 4 now. Chapter 4 is all about the moving of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a portable dwelling place, and when God was ready to move, they had to pack it up and move it. And the moving is a part that the Levites had a big hand in. Let's go to Witness Lee. In the Old Testament, God moved by himself without man. But... In the New Testament, God's divine economy has bound us together with God. Man matches God, and God is willing to be bound. And he couldn't move without man. He has to move not only with man, but within man. See, this is why God never preaches the gospel directly to anyone but through man. In Acts 1.8, after the power from the heavens will be poured upon you, you will be my witnesses. That means what? That means you will be my testimony. Wherever you go around, people see me. People do not see you. Witness in this sense means just a portrait. Just a portrait. We, the gospel preachers, are Christ's portraits. How the Lord moves today? He moves within us. Look at the move of the tabernacle. The tabernacle moves on the shoulders of these descendants of the three sons of Levi. Christ, the very embodiment of God for his expansion, moves. He moves through his lovers. 
If you don't know, he had no way. He got bound. He got imprisoned. If you don't move today, you become his prison. He got imprisoned. He got stuck here. Ron, this is a really good picture. The Lord limited himself at that time on the earth to when he wanted to move to the cooperation of the Levites. I'd like you to develop this principle in the New Testament where Brother Lee said that he moves through his lovers compared to being in a prison. Okay, let's begin with the fact that the movement, the going out of the tabernacle, the tabernacle signifies Christ as the embodiment of God. So this signifies that our Christ is very active, moving to announce the gospel of the kingdom throughout the whole earth, moving to carry out God's eternal purpose. But God is not moving unilaterally, that is, just by himself as God. Rather, with the incarnation, God becoming man in Christ Jesus, God set up a principle concerning his move in the New Testament age. And that is God needs our cooperation, our coordination, our oneness with him. So God will move with us. He will move actually in us and through us and by us. This is a principle he has established And that implies God's willingness and readiness to be limited and not just break through this principle. Rather, he's looking for the kind of cooperation that he needs. Those who are open to him, one with him, responsive to him, who will agree with him, who will coordinate with him, cooperate with him, This is the principle. This is the New Testament reality. This is a governing principle in the body of Christ. All of us live and move through our body, right? If our body, the members, do not carry out the direction given to them, then the body becomes a prison to us. Now, again, I'd like to come in briefly on the actual present situation. To a very large extent, known only to God himself, he is confined, confined by believers, including preachers and theologians, who disagree with his principle, who say God is omnipotent, he can do whatever he wants, he doesn't need us in any way. That is a teaching contrary to the truth. Or it could just be that so many dear believers are not enlightened. Then you have those that may have some kind of understanding of this, but due to various factors, are not rendering the Lord the cooperation. There is a great longing in the Lord for the kind of cooperation portrayed in the activity of the Levites who enabled the tabernacle to move. That's a picture of the reality of God's move in and through his body. He actually wants this to happen. It would be sad, I feel, Matt, if we simply just picked up some kind of doctrinal points and maybe some 
dear brothers that are ministers, they would pick up a point from this program. It's a subject of a sermon. But where is the move? Where's the cooperation? Where's the service and the ministry that allows the Lord to move so he's not imprisoned, rather he's released? This is a great concern to the Lord and a concern to us, and this concern is based upon the Word of God, rightly understood and purely and properly applied. Thanks for that word, Ron. I, I run an underscore. He moves through his lovers. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. You know, when you are tribal, if someone likes to help you with the packing, you ask the ones who are very close to you. I tell you, to pack one's packages is a special privilege. Do you know, when you pack for me, you discover all my secrets, all my mysteries. Ah-ya. I never know, brother, you got so many pairs of socks. <laughs> so the priests are the ones who have the privilege to pack the things of the divine person. Think about it. What a privilege. You can pack the things for Christ. Don't forget how much Christ comprises. When you pack this one ark, you pack a lot. Then the shoe bread table. My, Christ says, I'm the bread. He that eats me shall live by me. The shoe bread table, the lampstand, the light, the golden altar, the oil for the lamp, the fragrant incense, this for incense altar. Then the continual meal offering, and then the anointing oil. These are fine things, dear saints. Even all the tabernacle and all that is in it, the sanctuary, that means the entire tabernacle, all these signify certain aspects of the rich Christ. Paul says, Ephesians 3.8, he was given grace to uh, preach the unsearchable or untraceable riches of Christ for us, just by the New Testament, it is hard to see what are the untraceable riches. Now, by this chapter, you could see, surely, Christ's riches are untraceable, are unsearchable. Too many items. Too, too many items. You just think about all are Christ. Ron, what a sweet picture. God's personal items were entrusted to the care of the priests, and these things signify the marvelous, unsearchable, even untraceable riches of Christ. What's the application to us in our handling of these precious things? The application has a number of aspects, and we cannot address them all now. We can just say something in an introductory way. Let's consider the picture again. The tabernacle, everything related to it, everything in it, was built according to the pattern shown to Moses on the mountain. It was built according to God's design. This is a very sobering matter. We're not handling our own things. We're handling 
the things of God. Then the reason the Levites had to, say, pack them and prepare them for moving was that they were cooperating with God and facilitating the way for God to move. So this is especially a matter of handling these precious things in relation to the Lord's move. Now we come to the most crucial point, and that is all the furnishings, including the tabernacle itself, typify or signify Christ and his unsearchable, untraceable riches. So they're not simply Christ in a general way. The Levites were assigned to a particular item of furniture or to the anointing oil or to the incense. This indicates that we must handle the riches of Christ according to God's measuring and according to God's governmental administration. This is not a light thing. So what is it in spiritual application and service when we are packing, preparing for transport, the riches of Christ typified by the furniture in the tabernacle? This means that we are moving with God in a move through which he wants to minister the unsearchable riches of Christ to those who have never known him. Paul in Ephesians 3 says that grace was given to him to announce the unsearchable riches of Christ as the gospel. So we have the Lord moving into a part of the earth that he's never been to before. Not everyone can do this. You can be part of a religious movement, but to be in the Lord's move, you have to recognize what these furnishings signify, You learn how to handle the unsearchable riches of Christ and minister them for God's move. Ron, I really hope and pray that the Lord can gain a group of people that could be like these priests in a holy service to God today, giving the Lord a way to move on the earth. To that I say, amen. Thanks for coming in to be with us today. You're welcome. Thank you also for joining us. And if you'd like more information, you can call us at 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-888. 543-3788 or email to radio at lsm.org On behalf of Ron Kangas, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Whether you're hearing this program via radio, online, or as a podcast, you'll find hundreds of audio studies just like this one by visiting our website, lsmradio.com. We also hope you'll email us with your questions or comments, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, one life study That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.